We have people yeah. listening to this shit? Uh, 200 as of today. Oh. Why? Damn. It, it, I mean, thank you, but on, why? That was on Sunday. Can you say, Saturday. like, some of it was from Brazil and stuff like no, that? No, most, actually, this time, this time around... 60% of our listeners were from Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I, I want to point out me. I want to point yeah. out though, uh, actually it it actually probably doesn't make sense because Puerto Rico is behind the curve on pop culture in a lot of situations. So it wouldn't shock me that BattleTech is popular there because it's a late 80s IP. You're saying we're behind the curve. No, no, no. Behind the curve. No, he's saying our listeners are behind the curve. And, uh, and, by, and by, our, our viewership is going to go down. But by, by definition, 60%. no, because we're also behind I mean, the our, curve. Our, uh, they're mean, paying attention to I us. mean, that is fair. Unfortunate. Thanks, Puerto yeah. Rico. Yeah. Thank you to all of our listeners. I legitimate. I don't actually remember the last time I looked at our, our, uh, our like, listeners' numbers. So. Well, the, the numbers, they're not posted on, uh, on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Just, just the general podcast, but like YouTube was not doing that well. Yeah, no, like not even close. So YouTube is a dying platform. Actually, that is so true. TikTok has actually surpassed them in numbers, um, in both AdSense and revenue, just in total. Well, and it, it stays. Just t- TikTok's not good for long form though. It's just for the memes and for like, I have thirty seconds. I want to put as much. Sensory overload and propaganda in this 30 seconds as I can. Or I it's think it's up three, to three minutes three is minutes your maximum now, yeah. right now. But actually, they're talking about doing long form up to 10 minutes right now um, in TikToks. They're going to redo the search structure and to fit it. Good. Maybe that'll stop Philip DeFranco from putting in like catch bullshit at the end of his TikToks. Like, stay tuned for And then it just ends. Like, motherfucker, what? Well, what? I mean, he just cuts those out of his, out of his first videos. But... Uh, the one that I did find interesting was the Pope said that it's the U.S.'s fault that Russia is attacking Ukraine. I... <laughs> the Pope said that. It's our fault. Everything's, yeah. our, Everything's fault. our fault. Yeah. Damn you, Donald Trump or Biden or whoever the fuck. And who's our president now? It doesn't really matter. They're nah, it really doesn't a... matter. Generic leader. Generic. Intergeneric in, leader here. In the In the famous words of... Whose line is it anyway? None of it matters. The points are made up anyway. Yeah, the points are all made up anyways. It's all made up. The points don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Welcome to Maximum Daka's podcast. Uh, here with us today are the classic... Uh, Caleb. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That, I jumped the gun. No, that's good. That's uh, me. We also got... My smooth, smooth, silky, nasally voice, James. And then we have the uh, ever comedic... Hello. Stoic. My name is Willie. And whose balls are also out? Weird. Why are your balls out? Do you have X-ray vision? Because I can't. I, I don't see any I'm balls. About the... Oh, my nose <laughs> ring. Yes, it has balls on it. And I'm Phil. And so, uh, I think one of the today's topics we were talking about uh, was something that we we'd been meaning to get around to, but how we deal with character creation on an individual level. Well, last time we did uh, favorite. RPG systems. You oh yeah, for that. Uh, so I figured today we could talk about how we, because everybody generates characters different, right? I'm probably way different than the way that Will does, and Will's different probably than you. Maybe not. I don't know. Caleb's probably a lot different than everybody, so because he's just weird. I'm fascinated to learn how you do this. What character creation? That was yeah. that was oddly sexual. That was 
there's a lot of sexual tension built into that sentence. Mm. Oddly didn't dislike it. You want to see how to make a person? Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, now that you mention it, I mean, I'm I'm really interested into seeing how uh, two males would conceive a child. That would be oh, depends on the species. anamorphic XX chromosome. If you have, hold on. If okay, so if ectopic pregnancies are a thing, can you take? <laughs> can you like implant it in the hole and like? That's what your belly button's for. Ah, there you go. Wait, is it XX <laughs> or is it XY? XY makes up male, so we we males supply the Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact: mm-hmm. a all female society is actually possible, but an all male society is impossible. Yeah. yeah, unless we figure out cloning, which it's just easier with women. There was a basis of an anime that as was far like, as cloning that was called uh, Vandred. Have you seen any of I don't that? Think so, well, that's a good one. Vandred's pretty pretty good. I feel like I've heard of it. Lots of cross dressing. <laughs> uh, right up James's alley. Say, uh, <laughs> is that the one where like the the population of the Earth like it's all women except there's like one guy? No, there's like there's that. a ma- there's a male planet and there's a female planet and they're at war. Ah, okay. Yeah, one's called mother and one's called grandfather, and they were married at one point. You know, it's funny. It's that sounds exactly like the plot to DC. Weird. The DC's New Gods. Apocalypse. And uh, whatever planet uh, Orion's from. I don't... I don't. Everyone is looking at me right now for some reason. I, no I don't follow. Idea. I don't follow DC. Because it's I, the mother box and the father box. Oh, okay. And uh, that's literally the whole plot, is that, that the old gods are out of it, and then, then come in the new gods, but Apocalypse kind of rebels against that idea. Yeah, it's really weird. Give it Apocalypse, his lore is weird in general. He's a god, but like, on, his body is only his physical form, and like you can kill it, but like it just comes back because he's a god, and he can just will it back into existence. Yeah, why Apocalypse will always be around. Anyway, so I think the best way to start off is what is what has been one of your favorite characters, and how did you create it? Well, uh, I can start out. Um, I can probably say, and maybe. I'm a little biased or like I'm shoehorning this in because this is, is this still technically a Battletech podcast, I guess? Uh, it's whatever. Um, one of the campaigns we played like prior to Maximum DACA being a thing, uh, it was, I think, Will, you were the only person who wasn't a part of that campaign, but I know uh, Phil and James were a part of it. Um, I played as a Rosalhog Dominion mech warrior pilot. Uh, her name was Astrid... Um, thing. I still have the sheet around here somewhere, but I don't remember what her last name was. But basically, my process for that was diving really, really deep into uh, the War of 3039 and, like, circumstances surrounding that and using that as a basis of, like, what would it be if you, if your life just fucking sucked and you grew up in that shit and then became a mech warrior pilot who just hated the Draconis Combine. That was the essential core i and that that kind of segues into like how i like to build rpg characters is uh i don't really ever have air quotes a plan when it comes to like making a character usually it's just some weird wild idea i get that's like hey that'd be kind of cool 
and then I build off of it until it either completely falls apart because it's really stupid or something comes out of it. So I, I imagine that's not too terribly different from what you guys' experiences are with like building characters for RPGs. Oh, so no, mine's like way fucking different. Uh, oh, I, okay. I will say mine is mine is incredibly different. One oh, all the, right. One of the I, I I lean two ways when I build a character. Mm-hmm. I either go full tragic backstory. And this person just starts out sad as shit and is just trying to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And that's like 25% of my characters. But the other 75% of my characters are memes. Mm, Gotcha. I honestly, in in every character I've ever made, I've never tried to do an OP build. Like -hmm. trying to figure out like the best way to do the mechanics of the game. Mm Because the mechanics of the game are just going to work themselves out Mm -hmm. regardless. It also notes that I've never finished a campaign because oftentimes we'll get two years into it and then it just like falls apart <laughs> due to due one to of, one reason or another. And that's COVID. nobody's that's nobody's fault. Yeah, one of them is COVID. I mean, it's just one of the universal laws of like playing with an RPG group is that there's always a there's always an unseen clock ticking at some point and. Mm the inevitable last session is never like nobody knows it's the last session. Well, and it, it's so hard because. I mean, people have lives, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, one of my favorite groups that I used to play with, they moved out to Greenfield, and I never see them anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe a couple times a year now. But when we do, like, we get together, and we'll do, like, a one-shot. Like, they had a they had a little mini convention at their house recently, and mm-hmm. we did a one-shot with a guy who hardly ever gets to run. And it was hilarious running as a bunch of garbage level 1, 3.5 characters. Mm-hmm. And... The funny part is my my little garbage wizard at level one, which are garbage, let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I killed the most amount of people <laughs> because I decided to grease some ropes on the pirate ship that was throwing them over. And yeah, they just slid into the thing and fell out of the water where a kraken laid wait to eat them. I had a great time. Like, and <laughs> there was no effort put into that character because at level mm-hmm. one, it's jot everything down on the sheet. There's no customization at that mm-hmm. point, right? So... But yeah, 75% of my characters are all memes. Mm. So I just find one little concept I like, I'll throw it together, and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, cool, they die, and I go on. But character creation is honestly like one of my favorite hobbies. Mm-hmm. To your point, mm-hmm. Caleb, um, sometimes there's an unseen to- clock ticking, sometimes there's not. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I feel like a lot of that can fall on a GM, mm-hmm. because like, okay, so our D&D session, right? That you guys that you you guys are in. Nobody's ever going to hear that. It's our own personal thing. So listeners suck it. Um, <laughs> but you will find these guys will find a reason to show up on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like they just will. Um, because it's fun. It's this. I'm not gonna tout to my own horn too much, but the story is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it keeps you coming back. <laughs> yeah. I think the main thing is, like, with that, I want to be careful not to get on too much of a tangent here, or we'll, like, change the topic of the podcast, but, like, if if it matters to you, Will is showing some kind of meme to everybody, it except was, me. It was just funny. It's about a toot your own it's, horn. It's, the it's meme is literally, because... why wouldn't you? Why, I, don't, I don't get the saying, I don't want to toot my own horn. Who do you want tooting your horn? It's your horn. You toot it. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is she blonde? I mean, to, to know that. There though, it is. There it is. Just chalk one up on the on the tally mark there. There it is, James. Proud of you. Good job. Yeah. To note though, I mean, to be fair, like again, with James being our DM in this in this case, like mm-hmm. 
the reason I'm so engaged is because we're the ones driving the story. He's very fluid in his GM direction. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of enabled he's kind of enabled me in a really weird way because I mean, I'm gonna be playing a character with made up spells at this point because 5e just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And uh I'm really leaning into the he he asked what kind of our end games are, and instantly I was like and, and again, it was out of memes the way this had started because I didn't know any of this information. I was like, fuck it, I just want to be a lich. I want to go full asshole at, the, at some point. And now it's leaned into not so much I'm going to be full asshole. It's going to be like, oh, I'm turning into the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. I literally, I am literally about three sessions away from making a scythe that's going to be considered an epic tier weapon, like leveling up like they did in Critical Role, mm-hmm. like, a, like a vestige. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really excited about this. I cannot tell you. And I had to, I had, I had to make a spell uh, that I called Bone Shape that, like, I had to steal it out of some 3.5 homebrew on some website somewhere. Mm-hmm. That was some level four spell, and I only took the half of it and was like, hey, I can use this. It's basically like, it's like Shape Water or Mold Earth. It's a cantrip, but I can spend spell slots to enhance it and make, it, make the bone structures or arms and armor that I create strong as steel. Cool, I can basically create mundane items at will. Mm-hmm. And then I can sell bone charms to people that are weird like that, I guess. You know, fun, that's yeah. my hobby. <laughs> I love I love stuff like that though. It's like I recently got the I, I'm going through and like buying all of the like the updated versions of all the Battletech core books, of which there are like what, eight of them now? Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, the Battle Mech Manual and Campaign Operations. So there's, like, eight or ten or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. But I recently bought the uh, Tac Ops Advanced Weapons uh, rulebook because I love all the crazy experimental gear. Like, I know there's a lot of people who are in the Battletech fandom who are, like, the timeline ends at the end of the Civil War. The craziest you get is, like, rotary autocannons and stuff like that. I love the stuff that's, like, really off the wall. And, like, in the rules, most of that stuff has drawbacks that are, like, so severe you would never want to use them. I but mean, you remember, remember that one time in Alpha Strike I used M-Pods? Oh, God. I was a walking Claymore. Oh, God. And it worked. Was that... Did I play you in that game, or was it that worked, Cal? It worked once. <laughs> and it's only got to work once. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> But those things, those things go off as a Highlander. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do seven points of damage, but there goes my legs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's the crazy stuff like that, that, uh, I don't know. I feel like one of the best things about, I'm going to try and keep this kind of tied into character creation. Sorry. You're doing it. You're doing um, good. one of the best concepts of, or like one of the best aspects of RPGs and like, you know, D&D being the gold standard of that, in my opinion, um, especially 5e being much looser on the rules than 3.5, is really making it your own and, like, really toying with the systems and just bending the concepts of what happens in the rules, like, to your own will. So, you know, part of that goes into, like, epic tier items and, you know, magical items and custom homebrewed spells and stuff like that. Some of that also goes into what you want your character to be. And does that make sense? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
See, I really, really wish we could get you in on that Wednesday game. I really do. Yeah. If Wednesday was not like the second busiest day of the week for me, I would love to drop in, even if it was like just a one-off thing, but it was good luck. It's like like churches are assholes on Wednesdays and Sundays. I don't get it. I don't understand why. (laughs) I'm not not going to speak. (laughs) There has to be like four fucking days a week. Anyways, Will, how do you... So my character creation is like flash in the pan kind of thing. I I wait for the inspiration to hit me, and I, li- I literally just sit down and just do it all at once. I'm like, uh, uh, you ever see those people in like movies or in books where they're suddenly like, boom, hit with like some otherworldly inspiration from something, and they mm-hmm. just start documenting everything that they can, or, mm-hmm. or like Man. writing a book, and it's like that's basically how I do it. I'll, I'll something will just tr- trigger in my brain i'll get some neuron activation and boom i just get to it uh sometimes it's like the day i learn of the game that i'm going to be a part in sometimes it's the day before i'm supposed to have the character made (laughs) um but it's just like okay i know exactly what i need to do and then i get to it and then and create it um a lot of times whenever i create the character um i i I shouldn't say it a lot of times i'm i'm kind of progressing over time, whereas I started off, it was mainly just meme people that I just like, eh, mm-hmm. I want to make funny character that does stupid things. My first character's name was Asshat, but his, it was pronounced a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, his nickname was Cockknocker because he was a halfling and he had a spiked gauntlet. <laughs> a halfling monk. Halfling monk <laughs> with a spiked gauntlet. And um, I even had it... I don't know if it was enchanted. I can't remember what I did, but I basically got it to where I got a plus one if I targeted genitals. So his name was Cockknocker. So what you're saying is like basically spiked brass knuckles halfling, specifically targeting genitals. Who loved a wrassle. <laughs> loved a wrassle. What, what I'm, what I'm saying is like Flurry of Blows is not outside the realm of possibilities here. Yes. Exactly. That's amazing Many, to me. Little, little, little luchador guy. But, that was one of my... F- that was a campaign that I was running, and I'll never forget the swan dive event. Yes. Where they ended up accidentally getting into a tussle with a stone giant who was really just, like, sleeping. And uh, somebody got the good idea, let's tie a rope around all of ourselves, and then we'll tie it up. And then, yeah. So, two other characters, like, tie knots around them so that he can dive off the cliffs. The idea was that he was going to tie him up, and then everybody was going to let go of the rope. Um, so he dies off the, he dives off the cliff, like perfect jump. It's beautiful. I had like a nat 20 on my acrobatics flew off going exactly the way I wanted to go. Holding the, the rope. The first everything. arch and swing. He fails and then also doesn't grab the rope. And so he just dives about a hundred to 150 feet, just straight down. I fell and I, my character should have died three times over, but somehow I took minimum fall damage i literally rolled minute like ones and twos Mm -hmm. on like like 20 dice what what i want to know is like when you say you tied rope around yourself was this specifically bungee cord or just regular ass rope just just regular regular rope rope. so i could it was basically i was gonna dive and grab onto the giant and like spider monkey my way around him to tie him up to like Uh, slow him down so we could get away it was a natural 20 and then immediately a natural one kind of situation yeah like those are always critical success critical failure or it could be like, could be worse. Could be like, last game when I rolled two natural twenties in a row on disadvantage. Well, and that's like in that same yeah, like well in that same game, like one of the they're all sitting in a tavern trying to gather information on where to go next, and one of the guys is a frogman ninja, 
And he like uses his tongue to steal whiskey off the bar, but the bartender eventually catches him and nearly cuts off his tongue. And it was like, well, he's like, but that they should be able to do it because it's like lightning fast. It's like you have to understand, like, you're stealing from the dude who is giving you the drinks. It's always a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, but as um as time goes on, my characters get more and more. I won't say serious, but m- less memey, less joking around. I'll still make one if I find the opportunity to it or get the inspiration for it. But uh, they start getting more and more serious. Like my D and D character in the campaign that we've been talking about is a character from ninth century Japan, which was called Yamato at the time, and like not like. He's not like a Japanese analog. He's literally from 9th century Japan and somehow got spirited away into yeah. this D&D campaign. You isekai'd yourself. Yes. And it's, it's one of the great. But I mean that that in itself was a meme. Yeah. Like yeah. so I mean, but it ended up being a part of the campaign. Like it's it's a, a major part of the story now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that like that's that is the best way to D to DM is to take ideas that your players give you and then turn them around. That actually brings up a really good point that I wanted to ask you all of you guys is like one of the aspects like when I create a character is like you said, you mentioned like being flash in a pan mm-hmm. is uh, I usually wait for uh, whoever the GM is to like give like the here's the campaign you're going to be in. Here's kind of the setting. And then I don't necessarily build the character first. I build the setting where the character comes from mm-hmm. and then work into that. If that makes sense. Right. So, story first. Exactly. Yeah. And then try and create a character that fits into that part of the story. And that requires like collaboration with the GM about like, you know, like I I had a character that I built one time where I had a GM sent like a map of this continent that we were going to be exploring. And I had said, hey, my idea involves this general area. And he's like, nope. I have plans for that. I'm sorry. Can you find somewhere else? So, you know, hit or miss sometimes, but I find it very enjoyable to not necessarily just build a character, but to like really world build in the process mm-hmm. of making a character is I guess what I'm trying to say. So you need to get into GMing more. I know. Yeah. I, I recently, I don't know if I've told you guys this story. I recently ran my, like I've never GM before, but I recently ran my first game. I had, my older sister and my seven-year-old niece in town. Yeah. And my, I, I have I told have I told yeah, the story you, on the podcast well, before? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You didn't remember we were talking about settings, but yeah, that's sorry. right. Yeah. But the the condensed version of that story is like you know I'd never GM before. My seven-year-old niece had never played D and D, and I think we both had a great time with our first experience with that. So it is coming back to me. I have told the story before, but yeah. whatever episode that's in. So, but world world building's like half of the fun. Mm-hmm. Now, see, for me, like, I differ from, like, everybody in this room as to how I make my characters. So, like, I'll start out with, like, a, an inspiration. So, we'll, we'll we'll use Shadowrun, for example, which hopefully, hopefully we can get Zach on board to actually run Shadowrun. Um, but we have plans to do a sh- this Shadowrun campaign on, on this podcast. But, mm-hmm. um, so for, like, my character for that, um, the inspiration for him was Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Okay. I was so I started out with like, a, I want to play Tyler Durden, right? And then I'm like, okay, so now I need to come up with something 
that is a number one shadow running and number two separates him from from tyler durden right right something that that makes him stand out so it's like well okay so what if tyler durden was an ex-pimp <laughs> okay so that's very shadow runny and that's you know and then i'm like okay so now i need something for why he is an ex-pimp so okay so what if what if tyler durden like one of his hoes got whacked so he was forced to not be a pimp anymore and then he went into the military so now he's a mage also so Okay, so how do I work that in there? Okay, well, he's went into the military, so now he's gotten involved with, like, the Mage Hunter Corps. And he's gotten out. So now he's back in Springfield with no job, no prospects. So he's like, oh, I'll just start shadow running. So it's Tyler, it's Tyler Durden that's an ex-pimp, and he's also a Mage Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I build my characters, and then I build a story around that gives me a general framework for the story. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what I did. So for for our uh, current 5e campaign, I originally st- <clears throat> started a Sebastian off with um modeled from a character from one of my favorite book series, which is the Abhorson out of uh, the Ab- uh, Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix. And it, uh, effectively they're just a uh, they're an anti-necromancer but they use necromancy to put down the undead instead of the other way around. So instead okay. of raising the dead, their, their, their uh, whole job in life is to bind them and put them down and mm-hmm. make sure they stay down. Mm-hmm. They're like a white hat hacker. Yeah. Uh, but after I got past that, we started, we started getting in, and I usually develop my characters before I get information for the story. I already got kind of an idea, and then I'll take pieces that I like in that and then associate it with my character after the fact. Um, so as we started, he was like, Hey, in order to like rope this in, you're going to be, you're going to be considered a Bishop at, in this church. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Um, but the only reason I got promoted as a Bishop is basically because I was like, I'm the guy who just like puts down the dead. I don't ever leave. I don't ever do anything. I very close, like closeted as far as everything goes. I get out every once in a while, but like, you know, okay, I went to a mine to, you know, bless the 30 miners I got trapped under, you know, rubble or whatever, you know, kind of thing. But like, when shit hit the fan, I was like, man, I don't want to be part of this anymore, but I also kind of want to live forever. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to die. But I don't want to be part of this and I, shit. And I just let, yeah, and especially at early levels, like, you know, where we were, we started at third level. It was like, I'm going to let the events of the game shape the direction of my character. Mm-hmm. And one particular event kind of determined where exactly I thought I was going to go. And it, we basically had a scene just like uh, just like Doctor Strange, which, funny enough, comes out here soon. Um, but <laughs> uh, Source of Supreme kind of just pushes Pushed me out of body. The Sorcerer Supreme would be in this case, uh, the goddess Death. And she was just like, hey, uh, I've been asleep for a while. I'm putting you in charge of figuring out why. Oh, okay, cool. I'm now an emissary of death. Wait a second. I have a way to become a lich now. Oh, I can truly live for death. But in this case, I don't have to be a complete asshole. Because I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the, the typical everyday lich. 
But I could be the lich that, like, you know, full-on Diablo Reaper of Souls. I can go out and, you know, reclaim what shouldn't be there, just do it in a nicer way. And that, my friend, is called enabling your player. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's to the point where I'm going to look like, like, my goal now with the way we've made this, at some point by after some work... I'm going to have a bone set of armor just like the Necromancer from Diablo 2. Like, that's going to happen. And it's going to be spooky as fuck to, to regular people. But they're still somehow obligated to help me a little bit. Thank you, Haunted. Yeah. And I'm... <laughs> so, another thing, like... Sometimes he's got a good I heart, am... even though he's a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I am, like, haunted by images. And, and what I mean by that is, like, they just fucking stick with me. Mm-hmm. So, like, one such image is uh, True true Crime? Is that the HBO series with... True Blood? The, no, 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 no. The HBO series with... Um, true Detective? True Detective. So, Season- True Blood, yes, was an HBO series. I was about to say, I was by like... By the way, the redhead in that is my, my dream woman, so... Which one? Deborah Ann Wall, if Deborah, you're listening Deborah to this Wall, yeah. by any chance. Marry <laughs> me. Was, was that season one or season two? Uh, she was in several. Um, I think she was in the whole series. Well, there was they switched casts. So season one was, um, um, fuck. You mean like where they switched main characters? Like they went, they changed the focus. Or are you talking about? You're talking about True Detective. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. still talking about True. Oh, oh. True Detective. Yeah, they changed sorry. it each series. Yeah, they changed it. The, the second season, they were going after kind of. I mean, the story kind of ties into itself, but they were going after the. Oh, who, what, whatever the bad guy's name was, but there's like a, there's like a pro, promo image of that where this dude's wearing this. Uh, oh, this has got like a top tier cast. Okay. Oh, I, I guess yeah. I need to watch True Detective. Dude. Yeah, yeah, it's True got, it's got apparently fantastic. season one is the best. It's got Vince Vaughn, Colin Farrell, Rachel McAdams, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, yeah, season Michelle one Ali. Is... I'm really excited, by the way, for him since he's new. He's new Blade. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson's in here. Yep. Yeah. Season one was the best. Steven Dorff, which, by the way, funny thing that I mentioned that because he's in he Blade. Was, he was the original bad guy in Blade. Um, I have a lot, of, a lot of good people in here. A lot of big people. Yeah. Apparently, season one is like the the best. Ray Fisher. Not that we're gonna see much of him for a while. Unfortunate. But yeah, season one is the best. But there was a promo for I think the second season. Um, because the second season had Vince Vaughn and uh, and McConaughey in it, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I think I, I think was looking it was, at. I think it was Vaughn and McConaughey, and uh, they go after the this serial killer guy. But one of the promos, the promo images for that was like somebody wearing like a deer skull, and it's fucking creepy. And it just like whenever you talk about your your character, that's the image in my head. That oh haunts, yeah, that haunts the piss out of me. And then another another image for like like whenever I think about because we're gonna do a Gundam podcast we're gonna do one year war oh, podcast I can't wait for that one um, which I have to write the rules for <laughs> I need help when I ask for help on Discord please help me sorry Anyways, yeah I'll, I'll um, I have to feedback more sometimes just because of uh, everything that I'm in in yeah, <laughs> ingrained in right now yeah um, but anyways. So whenever I think about, kind of, yeah. Uh, whenever I think about that, um, 
I'm haunted by the uh, if you if you haven't seen uh, Gundam the Origin, there's a there's a part there where they're going after uh, the Doctor um, Minofsky, and uh, there's a part where Char is standing on the the cockpit hatch for a Zaku one, or it's just regular Zaku, and it's they've made art out of it. It's called Twilight on the Moon. Because like right after he goes like, oh, it's what Twilight of the Moon looks like. And it is such a beautiful image. It haunts me. <laughs> like, so some some of my character development is like whenever I, I will associate something with either an image or some sort of sometimes it's even a fucking smell. Like I I always associate D D with clove cigarettes. Hmm. Because when I first started playing D&D, our GM, Mike, smoked, chain-smoked clove cigarettes. So the the smell is ingrained in my Just brain. burnt clove. and mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think of, like, one of my other characters that stands out to, especially the people in this group. But uh, we were speaking of Shadowrun. Like, I'm really excited about one of my new characters because of, how chaotic he's going to be, which is something uh, I'm not necessarily used to playing. Um, But one of my other characters, I mean, he was chaotic enough as well. Um, He was a, an Asian guy from Japan, uh, Japanese who had watched way too many Western movies. And, uh, and, he had a, a flaw on him called a uh, distinctive style. So he wore a, a classic duster and cowboy hat, used six guns only, and uh, spoke in a very poor, uh, poor English accent. You were uh, racist. It's fine. I we've mean, been we've been racist on here enough. It's fine. I, I it For was the it was. I don't it's know called Westaboo. but but he was that stereotype uh and his name was a very classic japanese name that i just pulled out from whatever book but his aliases were all western uh folk heroes or or made-up characters but his primary alias was jong wang and people just assumed that was john wayne so uh Definitely one of my favorite characters. I've run him in two different campaigns, and both of them were just fun as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only ever tried to kneecap people unless they were just extra violent or whatever. But our first heist went so well that we were like, "Oh, we're like, we're like doing heists before GTA Five did," and then every heist after that went really poorly. I wouldn't say really poorly. It just there was always a catch that we didn't plan for that should have been something we planned for like windows yeah and we we adapted sometimes better than others well that second campaign our first size actually went off really well too because like i built a pipe bomb yeah on a dirt road (laughs) and i rolled like maximum successes and zach was like it's a thing of beauty i'm like look what i did doesn't even look like a pipe bomb at that point. No. You just accidentally crafted C4. I like also in a lot of my older campaigns that I did, I like to I like to make stupid things. So like I think I don't remember if you were in this campaign, but it was one that it was one that Andy was gonna run. 
um, where I made um, a stone folk. It starts with an O in Pathfinder. I think it was like Oralum or something like that. Um, but it was a stone folk barbarian that had a couple feats that basically my whole purpose was I couldn't use weapons, but I used everything else around me as you weapons. Threw like boulders and rocks and shit all the time. Bo- if I remember. Boulders, rocks, chairs, people. I threw a person in that campaign. Um, and I really wanted a sword that had um, the throwing enchantment on it, but because they're not traditionally ranged weapons, you you weren't supposed to. But um, at one point, I think she did give it to me, and we were getting to we were getting to a point where we were probably not going to play anymore. And I was they were they were like, here's a troop of um, ogre uh, set up in a battalion. I was like, cool. I'm gonna launch myself off this cliff and just like start like whirlwinding from like like a barbarian in Diablo. And I failed so hard that they just piked me in midair. Like four of them. Yeah. My my absolute favorite character that I ever played was uh god damn, I can't remember. It was it was in college and I cannot remember that fucking character's name. But what 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 was cool about him was he was a fighter, right? So this is all he did. He was just straight fighter. All the way to twentieth level, right? And it pissed the party off because every time that we got treasure, even mundane treasure, and somebody was like searching for magical weapons or magical magical stuff, the DM was always like, yeah, there's magic around you. Like you can tell something is intensely magical. Well, the something was the me because all we, we got up to the final boss and then I changed it into a dragon. And they were like, you were a dragon the entire time? I was like, yeah, I was a dragon the entire fucking time. <laughs> nobody knew. And nobody knew. That reminds me of a time, and I, again, Will was probably was part of this campaign, but I told Andy that we were going to derail the campaign. And so we, she literally summons a ghost train just into the middle of the campaign. And that was the joke is that we were going to derail it by adding a train, an actual train to the campaign. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we end up going into this mountain to investigate and (laughs) immediately we fight a minotaur that cleaves my character in half. That was your, your damn fear character. Yeah. My damn fear. And she was like, your God wants to bring you back. I was like, no, we're, we're done with this character. You literally killed it in half. I want him to stay dead. And then immediately everybody gets thrown in prison, caught by a bunch of deep gnomes. One of our players, Zach, again, he's, he's, he's always got interesting characters, but his character was actually two people. It was a pseudo-dragon by the name Brain and a winged kobold by the name Pinky. It was Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but the deep gnomes had captured everybody. But the pseudo dragon was off like too small to fit into a cell. Like there was no purpose, so they just spit roasted him, and 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 cooked him and ate a pseudo dragon. And they didn't. Little, they thought he was a pet. They, they didn't realize he was anything other than. He a, took the an form of a little like a tiny black dragon, but he wasn't actually a black dragon. And yeah, they just ate him. <laughs> That's actually uh, the same campaign that um, Asshat was in. And that was how the, his part of the campaign ended because his character, we lost three characters during that. Yeah, um, it was almost a TPK at that point. His wow. character, or that that character, um, he ended up being sold as a slave to another deep gnome, like family, whatever you want to call it. 
and lived like his he had a happy ending he, he basically lived as a pet to the deep gnomes like some rich Kinky. bougie deep gnome lady with a beard was like i went to him as my chihuahua and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> and then i made a new character wrestle and then i made <laughs> and then yeah and then i made a character uh-huh. that was basically uh blanca from street fighter yeah, that was actually that was actually a good time. I got to I I, I don't remember what I played after. I don't remember. I know uh, Zach brought out one of his classic characters that he likes to default to, um, a drow, another like a drow that always wields two swords, very much a Drizzt clone, but Scottish. He really likes his Scottish characters. Yeah, he likes his Elven characters too. He does. Yeah, it was actually funny because in my the new character that we're gonna do for our Shadowrun campaign, um, I mess I messaged him the details. He's like, "Oh, you're a you're a you're a pointy-eared bastard too, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense." He's like, "Oh, well, that makes sense. Why you're like allergic to like mold?" <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited because one of the traits I took for this new character, so I took I took a I took a bunch of flaws and I took a bunch of edges. I only had like three edges. Edges in Shadowrun are the perks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But flaws are obviously bad mm-hmm. things. And so I took a bunch of like little ones that just didn't matter. So like I have a mold allergy. Oh man, that's really inconsistent. I um what else did I have? I think I uh I, I think I'm immunocompromised. So you know, I get sick easier. Aren't you like yeah. obsessive compulsive about something too? You're saying? I am obsessive compulsive about cable management. Which uh, some of y'all might hate me for because if your bike looks, I mean, yeah, if, if we saw the cables here, my character would would literally, if you could see the state, disrupt of, everything that we're doing to fix them. If, if I see failed a wheel check, the state of the cables on the floor right now in our podcast yeah. studio. Is, but I, uh, but one of the most interesting perks I took uh, may annoy some of you guys, and it's just because I have um, I took a phobia, I took decidophobia. Now, you could probably guess what that is. He's afraid of decisions. Decision making. So if I end up having to be the one to make a decision and I fail my willpower, which is not hard, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I default to my trusty eight ball, magic eight ball, mm-hmm. uh, which I did go to Walmart and I purchased a magic eight ball <laughs> to use for our game. So I will have a physical magic eight ball that I will roll uh, and uh, that's oh, going to be great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to get you a... Rubik's cube. A Rubik's cube. Yeah, I got one. Not that one. Not, <laughs> you don't not. want the five by five. <laughs> no. You know the inside of a magic eight ball is basically just a D twenty. Right? It, it, that is it exactly is. what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. a D twenty. So I've you almost could just, you could just make a list and then just roll a D twenty. I could, but it's less but it's funny. funny. But it's yeah. less funny. Yeah. Like I, I could just crack open. Like I could have just probably looked for one on magic, like marketplace, and just broke it open and used the D twenty for a bit. Mm-hmm. It's tempting, mm-hmm. but I'd rather just do this. Mm-hmm. So my character is it kind of turned out a little bit of the same way. I took a weird some oh, a couple edges and a weird flaw and it kind of ties in because some of my knowledge skills uh go with this. He has like a lot of a lot of knowledge on paranormal critters or and paranormal animals. And it's like why would he have that? He's also severely phobic of Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
we're in our our campaign is going to be in Missouri, uh-huh. and Shadowrun has magical creatures. Sasquatch is one of them. They're uh-huh. a sentient race. <laughs> so my character is going to be like all the time. You're like, what the fuck was that Bigfoot? <laughs> He's like, I know about these things. I know. I've researched. He's basically going to be the 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 crackhead who <laughs> worries about Bigfoot breaking the into his trailer. Just crackhead of our group. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he's a courier, and we've kind of all kind of like fell into like bike gang kind of thing. We've all yeah. Made... You're gonna have to get a motorcycle. Uh, whatever. <laughs> and my, uh, my motorcycle has a trailer and a sidecar. That's amazing. The the sidecar like the trailer is where my lo- like where I launch my drones, mm-hmm. but the sidecar has a turret built into it that just pops up and two machine guns come out on it, <laughs> so nobody will fuck with me. But. My character's basically a recovering drug addict who became a courier and I just now I don't I don't sample the goods, I just deliver them. He's addicted mm-hmm. to jet. Mm. Mine uh one of mine is, is enemies, one of my flaws is enemies, so I have lots of enemies. Like I had like I had to take like three fucking enemies. And and the whole shtick behind me having enemies was you know, he was a mage hunter, so he did some bad shit. But the fun part about it is not due to any sort of mental disorder or any, well, I mean, if it's probably is a mental disorder, but not due to any like physical trauma or anything like that. He doesn't remember doing bad things to any of these people. It's just that he's such a fucking asshole that he didn't feel like it was really that important. So he just blocked it out of his memory. So he just has no idea what he did. <laughs> It's as inconsequential as throwing a piece of paper in the trash. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have one that's it's a haunted one or a hunted, mm-hmm. and it's at mid tier because um, I had to make sure I had so much money because riggers have to have a lot of money to con- buy vehicles and drones and stuff like that. And they're mm-hmm. not cheap, mm-hmm. um, so I had to, I just to spend the thirty build points for a million new yen, and uh, at the end of it, I only have like nine hundred and fifty new yen left because that's how expensive everything is. Mm-hmm. Like one of the main components of a of a rigger is a vehicle control uh, unit, uh, and it's like I had like in order to buy it and make it actually efficient, I had to buy it at like six hundred thousand new yen, like right off the bat. Otherwise, it would just could be not good for my character. So that was the majority of my build right there. Uh, but I, it's funny that I've spent that much money just to have nothing. And uh, I had to get that money by uh, participating in a shadow run or a run before this. And one of those was to rob uh, because we were in Springfield. It was like the descendants of JQH kind of thing, whatever they had left. And, but it's very Ocean's Eleven because at the end of Ocean's Eleven, they they know who did it. So he goes to jail and the guy hunts him down for Ocean's Twelve and they make them do stuff. So I'm currently being hunted down by, you know, lackeys of, of mm-hmm. whoever I robbed, you know. Mm-hmm. So however however Zach's going to deal with that, I'm really interested in because, mm-hmm. again, I... Juanita the second. <laughs> one of my personal, like, goals... I always find it fun because, like, it doesn't matter how bad... Or how fucked up I make the character, because those are just plot devices for the GM to use. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm the subject, like, like I don't want to, like, make the campaign about me. I just like providing plot holes or, or things for the devices for the GM to use in any form or fashion. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that Andy is like, yeah, you can have this, but it comes with consequences. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, let it come. Mm-hmm. I am not worried about it. 
and it, like being cut in half, uh, they just it just happens. My God was like, "Hey, you, I, can, I can help you." It's like, mm, no, no, I got cut in half by a minotaur. I don't want to get up and be cut in half again. Mm-hmm. They're gonna section me off. <laughs> How was uh, Planet Comic Con? I heard you told me you got to play Shadowrun. Yeah, so all of this discussion just reminds me that I actually need to sit down at some point with y'all and learn the character creation process of Shadowrun, but... Specifically 3rd edition, because it's a beast. Gotcha. It yeah. is It is very different, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, unfortunately, one of the hard parts, I don't know about anybody else, but for what I built, I had to reference no less than, like, seven different books. Oh, well, God. and that was rigor. I mean, yeah, but... Her. Yeah, specifically like Rigor, because Rigor has their own book, but man, it does not tell you anything about like vehicles, the, like in the in depth that you need to know. Yep. It's kind of off the cuff, and you have to. I I kind of look to later editions for like drones and whatnot because like the technology in Shadowrun is very eighties esque. It's mm-hmm. it's it's retro high, futuristic. It, it yeah, it's retro futuristic, but. As you look at later editions, it gets less retro and more modern, and so I have to mm-hmm. assume at some points that I'm creating that modernity, like that modern touch for mm-hmm. uh, my character. And mm-hmm. so, like when I was creating my drones, I was just pulling drones and pricing drones out of later editions and just making assumptions for for like what uh, what There's I wanted a car to do. Outside, sorry, I was distracted. Um, uh, let me get in the chair. <laughs> Yeah, as far as the the whole like referencing several books, I had the same thing, and I was pretty much just going over cyberware trying to do that. Uh, it was a pain in the ass because I had the standard rule book, I had the was it companion mm-hmm. is what they called it. Then I had the uh, uh, man and machine book, and then I think there was one more I can't remember that I was Canon referencing. Companion, yeah. Just going through all of those, it was like four different books, trying to to get everything set up, making sure I had all the right things, using the right rules, making sure my character was set. Mm-hmm. So I did have to reference a lot of different things to to make the character, but which I hate the way that they named the canon companion, by the way, because it makes it feel like it is a Shadowrun canon story canon companion but, it's but that is guns. not what it is it is a literal canon companion ah i see yeah it's it's guns ones. and equipment three ends not two yeah well like yeah mostly <laughs> yeah yeah oh and there's aircraft carriers and cruisers and a lot of a lot of things I, I will say when you look at editions like that when you play older editions and you play newer editions of shadowrun you can see how far it's come and how like specific they got in some areas because they were just too vague mm-hmm. but it's like not like you can go back and fix them now mm-hmm. kind of thing so fifth fourth edition i feel is like a lot better fifth edition is one of my favorites but sixth edition is not the best i didn't mind it it was is definitely unique for what it was yeah i think fifth edition was the last i played and it, it was all right it was good that's yeah. what I what I knew the most of as far as Shadowrun goes. I'm fairly certain the one that I played at the convention I went to uh, a couple weeks ago, which for those listening who might not know, was the first time I played Shadowrun because I'm not experienced with that system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was whatever the most recent edition is, but it, I'm yeah. you know, 
and I didn't even stay for the whole thing because like we had other stuff that my wife wanted to do that day. So we got, I'd say like 80% through this starter one-off and then had to leave the table, unfortunately. But I feel like it gave me a, enough of an understanding of like the core concepts of how Shadowrun works that like it'll help with one of the everything. Yeah, one of the major differences between um, sixth or third edition and sixth edition, mm-hmm. and and fifth edition for that matter, is there, there's two. Uh, one in third edition, you still you have target numbers. So instead of it being a five or a six, there's there's an actual target number that you have to get oh, to, and sixes explode. So, so you don't you don't count up your fives and sixes and your number of successes right. and everything. Okay, well, you still do, right? But it just depends on the target number. Like yeah, uh, your target your target number on your die could be like three, so you just need three ups mm. on your on your dice in order to make it. And that's like you know the more skilled you are, the easier it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. So if your target number is three, okay, cool. I have seven dice in this skill. Okay, cool. I'm good. Mm. And then, you know, they have the number of successes. So, like, one success. Okay, yeah, you passed. But, like, you didn't do great. You Mm -hmm. did it. Mm -hmm. But, like, oh, yeah, I got got ten successes. Oh, yeah, you, like, you you, you made macrame or, you know, you crocheted this thing on while while disarming the bomb, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, use the wires from the bomb to crochet. A note to the per- yeah yeah yeah. The other the other thing is um, the initiative system for the later editions. I it's, uh, I think they changed it in fourth or fifth edition. Um, in in third edition, you can have two turns in the same turn. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you roll above a ten, there's two initiative lists or three or four. Yeah. You have what's called initiative passes. So you have the combat round and then you have initiative passes. So like, um, some people have like move by wire, which is like, they replace their, their neuroskeleton neurosystem with like high advanced and like fiber optic, you know, for faster movement. So they mm-hmm. might have two D six, uh, in addition to their original one D six, they're rolling three D six plus their reaction. And they might hit like a twenty or twenty-five. Well, that gives them three initiative passes, mm-hmm. so they get you know one for ten, one for twenty, and then the third one they're five. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and basically, then... the way it works is like say you get a twenty-five as your initiative, mm-hmm. you would go on that twenty-five, and then each pass reduces by ten, so fifteen. Mm-hmm. So then I you see. have fifteen as your initiative, and then another pass, and then five, Got and it. that's how the order goes. Interesting. So, like, if I'm super fast and I have like super quick reflexes, I might be able to shoot you three times with a revolver. But if I'm super slow, I might only be able to shoot you once. Gotcha. Okay. And and I think shooting or shooting a gun is a minor action, not a major action. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me being a mage, I also took some cyberware, so it lowered my magic a little. But I can, I get two d six for my initiative plus six because of my my combat abilities. So I'm rolling any anything above a six on, on 2d6, I get two two turns. So I could potentially shoot you twice and then fry your ass with some electricity if I really wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I Because, uh, because of my uh, vehicle control unit, if I'm not in a car and I'm just like a regular existing person, I get like seven plus 1d6. But if I'm in a car or I'm controlling drones, 
I get eleven plus three d six like mm. right away because like I'm moving at the I'm moving at whatever speed my data jack is basically I'm plugged into the mm. net and doing stuff like at the speed of however I think got it at the speed of internet fifty two <laughs> kilobytes matrix jacked well, into the back. I of your mean head realistically though, in, in third edition, one meg was a lot. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. throwing that out there. That's the way they considered retro future, and it's like, nope, they ever just switch it to 10, 10 gigs now. Yeah, what, that's what is it? At. What is it if you like look into like the original old books of like how a hyperpulse generator works in the BattleTech universe? It's oh, like, yeah, it was. Ridiculous. It's it's like ridiculously small amounts of data. I think it's like, like it takes several passes with an HPG to like transmit a hundred megabytes of data or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then they all transmitted like zip squeals and things like that. So uh-huh. you had to have like super compressed, sped up mm-hmm. to the point where you, when you decoded it, it didn't even sound like the person. So, it's like just distorted. So yeah, it's trash. It just trashy so. mess. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. the worst audio, probably our audio, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I take offense to that. Yeah, It's might. true, but I could take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually uh, speaking of that, we, we actually don't sound bad on podcasts. Do not sound bad. No. Yeah. Especially but. to our Puerto Rican listeners. Shout out to Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah. 60%. Yeah. 60% Puerto Rico. But, yeah. So, that's Shadowrun for us. Mm-hmm. Well, there was also Battletech news, by the way. You guys didn't see. New Kickstarter. Yeah, there's like a ton of Battletech news that came out like yeah. a couple weeks ago and been coming in so a lot of new models i am i am very excited for support vehicle models like they've been doing like catalyst has been doing a fantastic job with the new uh like the new plastic like the high resolution plastic models i am very excited to see like i think i saw like uh hetzer support tank and uh pegasus scout tank in like some of the teaser images that they popped up unless i'm horribly wrong which is possible and likely, but I'm super excited to see how those turn out. Like, I, mean, I think it'll been, be really dope. They've been leaning on Iron Winds for so long because mm-hmm. that was the only people who was putting out anything that was support vehicle based. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really going to be hard to catch up with that. Yeah. I'm wondering if some of the models, because I know there was like a War Dog, which is a new model. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's um, like, there's like 40 new models or something like that. Well, I mean, like, brand new model. Like it, it just came out with like darker with like Ilkhan. Oh, Il-Clan. like a Il-Clan. like a new so, mech, yeah. like new class of yeah. mechs. So I'm wondering with this Kickstarter if they're just gonna be like, yeah, fuck it, just leave that shit in the past, and we'll just do it whenever we we get around to it, and just actually head on into the new canon. But they should. I mean, I mean, they'd be kind of holding themselves back by by continuing to do it. Yeah, there was there were some older models like the Devastator, which I saw. I was like, oh. I yeah. still like I still like the the new Devastator the Devastator came out of Iron Winds actually. Yeah. Uh, comparatively, the mo- the model from Iron Winds looks better still than the new model in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, and the few. Templar too. Yeah, there's a few of those. Oh, also, if you guys aren't on uh, the Everything Battle Tech Facebook page or Discord, um, you should hit that up. Um, especially the Facebook page, and if you're painting models. Bishop Steiner on there has been, he's one of the people that has made some of these new models or, or some of the new artwork for him. And then people, you know, made 3d renders out of them for catalyst. Uh, he's been going through all of the new models and highlighting where the fuck the cockpit is. 
Hey, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Nice. I was like, well, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. Maybe we'll someday find what a thunderbolt can't be actually looks like. No, he he. That was one of the very <laughs> first ones he did, mm-hmm. and he was like, "You can't tell on that model." He was like, "By the way, the big bubble on the front—it's not the fuck cockpit. That's the armored hatch. It's the little bitty tiny slit down the bottom. Can looks I like a pillbox? Can I can I tangent off of that and and voice a concern that I have? I'm gonna look it up right now just to show you guys, Sarna. Oh, oh, Sarna, hold on. Broke a rule already. Oh, Don't talk no. about Sarna. No Sarna. <laughs> no Sarna at the Can game we talk table. about the assassin? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, does it have two cockpits? Is the cockpit the lower one? The, and The cockpit's like, always been the lower one. Yeah, it's I, always been the lower one. For the longest time, I thought that that hatch, like, that kind of goes up and over the top of its head, like a bald spot, and, was the cockpit. And the, the guys that work for, um, for, uh, God damn it, MWO, mm-hmm. um, Piranha Games, they mm-hmm. made that mistake with when they did it because they put the cockpit on top. Oh, fun. Yeah, the cockpit's always been the lower part. Uh, they also did that in the HBS one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was because that, it was a direct port. Yep. The model was a direct port. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Warhammer, there's a couple model, a couple of variants that do have uh, dual cockpits, but I don't think they sit like that. I know, like, the Warhammer, for instance, like, yeah. Watching text like that was the one oh, of the greatest. Oh yeah, I finished it in one go. That was a that was a sit at work and listen to yeah, that. I need cause... to. I need to. I have not oh, had. It was it was fantastic. Like he goes hard on like their military industrial complex. I've, I'll, I'll I've honest, not had yeah, time I'll, to sit down and actually like sit through I'll, all of that. I'll be honest. A good hour of that has nothing to do with the Warhammer, and I'm okay <laughs> with that because <laughs> uh, I mean everything was relevant. That's what mattered, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> Leading up to the development of it. But, like, he, one of the main things he brought up is, like, many of those variants, specifically Capellan variants, mm-hmm. all had dual cockpits. Just so that the person that was observing could make sure that they didn't run away with the equipment kind of thing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that like, was... they're armed with a Makarov sitting in the rumble seat, kind of like, okay, cool, let's make sure you're doing the job here, bud. Um, yeah. Yeah, fucking Capellans. How can I position my cockpit in such a way that that guy gets shot, but I can run away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that bottom seat doesn't eject. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's uh, hmm, that'll do it. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, or if it does, the can that part of the canopy doesn't open. You know, so you just jellify yourself when you eject into the coward. Ceiling. Cowardice is not rewarded. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know that's that's one thing about the Warhammer. Like everybody loves that fucking thing. It's okay. It's it's a workhorse for what it does, and that's that's the point that was made. Right? Is it is it succeeded literally for over a thousand years well, for a very specific purpose? I mean, well, and what what you know, Texas is his stuff is all in canon, mm-hmm. right? So. It, he can't really tell you like why the Warhammer became so popular. And one of the main reasons why the Warhammer became so popular was because back in those days, whenever they first started making, whenever their Battletech first came out, it was obviously, it was a, it was a ripoff of Macross or or Robotech. Mm -hmm. Um, Which if you guys haven't looked into the Macross Battletech whole fucking ordeal thing, you really should. It's, it's a fascinating literature on why you don't write business documents on, on napkins. 
Um, let's let's get hashtag fuck harmony gold going on Twitter, everyone. <laughs> Quite literally, <laughs> dude. Every like, if you follow me or like, if you look, you get notifications of what I'm doing on Facebook. You can go down through there and just like watch me just troll Harmony Gold. I do it so much so often. <laughs> and the greatest part of my week has been the announcement that some dude that directed like two episodes of Hawkeye um is is pinned to direct the Robotech movie mm-hmm. that that Sony's doing since that whole ordeal had to get glossed over and now we're getting lots of BattleTech stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have to be worried about being sued. Yeah. Um but like it's been great for me because I've just been trolling them like nonstop, mm-hmm. like like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, just just non absolute nonstop. But anyways, getting back off off my tangent, uh, one of the greatest things about the Warhammer was people that played in in campaign games because when it first came out, campaign mode or or, or running a campaign was really big for them, and it was it was a continual operation. Like you would go in you and your buddy would be like, okay, we're going to fight over this planet. And you would have to actively manage like ammunition and, and repair parts and spare parts and mechs and, and repairing them. And all these things took time. Um, and the Warhammer was really, really great at it because it was low maintenance, low cost. And they're very, and, and if you ran out of SRM sixes, you could just exchange your SRM system for just two more medium lasers. And, be, and, and a couple extra heat sinks and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Never have to worry about ammo again. But if you're on the tabletop and you're just playing four max on four max, there's a lot of better max out there. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Like if you're looking at like just pure battle value, yeah. and even even battle value is not 100 yeah. percent the way to go. Fuck you, BV two. <clears throat> well, but and again, the less the lesson to learn is in in, in campaigns like that. And Tex brought it up is like it was good enough. Yeah, like rule you didn't enough. field four of them, mm-hmm. but if you had one in your squad doing some sniping, then great. Two PPCs smacking something still like still hurts like a still bitch. hurts. Yeah, and and I mean, especially when you're getting along campaigns like that, like seeing one heavy mech, cool. Seeing two, all right, but you're probably not seeing four assaults like you know us abusing mech warrior five, mm-hmm. you know, or HBS. You know, mm-hmm. you just. You're not seeing that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, in those games, they fall into that, and that that's something that I wish I fucking wish somebody would do that I haven't seen done in in a video game ever is like tonnage is king in those. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. always. And and the reason why it is in Mech Warrior Five is because the the difficulty rating of the mission is based on how many fucking enemies they just throw at you. Yeah, it, completely unrealistic in. In BattleTech, where you're like, oh yeah, I just killed an entire regiment to get through with this mission, would never fucking happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, never. Um, with how with how much of an effort they go through, like especially like in early BattleTech days, to tell you like, battle mechs are the king of the battlefield, but they are exceedingly rare. Mm-hmm. It surprises me that like most modern iterations of BattleTech and media outside of the books it really just doesn't get that idea across very well to me. That's well, one of the reasons I like like the operational or campaign rules is because just the nature of how those rules work has you being very creative with what battle mechs you use. And it kind of has that same vibe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, well, and that's, that's another thing. Like there is lore battle tech. Mm-hmm. There is lore battle tech. 
and then there is the lore that is in the book's battle text. So there's three battle texts going on simultaneously. One of those is like, guys, battle mechs are rare. Battle mechs, like, you never see one. Mm-hmm. They're so rare. They put out, like, one battle mech the entire Interspear a year. Then there's the other battle tech where they're like, yeah, here's the hard fucking numbers. Yeah. Federated Sons have, like, 42 regiments. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, oh, shit, that's, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And then then you get into the books where they're like, no, there, there's, like, there's, like, two mechs in the entire Federated Sons, and that's why the Draconis Combine was able to to do this thing. It's like, just stop trying to justify your, your poor writing and just, just do it. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't need justification at this mm-hmm. point. You know, the numbers are there. And then, and then there's, there's the battle tech that's in, in the, the books where they're just like, yeah, just do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, battle max being rare, maybe question mark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Catalyst day to day, depending on who's writing, whether battle max rare or not. I, I will say that I have vastly enjoyed some of their new books, not Blaine Pardo's new books, but um, some of the new books, like Jason Smetcher's books are, mm, they're great. There are two incest characters. One's Alaric, and that's the way you don't write a book. The other is Denial Liao, and that is the way you write a book. Go read... Uh, You're saying that book isn't lousy? It is not. I just, no, I'm I just punch you right. I in just the balls. needed one. No, it is not lousy. I'm surprising you're complaining. Well, I guess somebody has to fill in for Cal. Yeah. Okay. R.I.P. Buddy. Oh. <laughs> but clarify, he's not dead. He's just not here. <laughs> he's never here. He's got like family things to do for no reason. God, kids, gross. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. To clarify, <laughs> that joke is only funny if you know that uh, my wife is pregnant and I'm gonna have a kid and like. Six months. Hey, you can just do what I did and just, you know, accrue them mm-hmm. through relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did that with one and I'm enough. That's, that's, that's <laughs> I got three now. <laughs> Anyways, Jason Smetzer actually made me like, uh, on some levels. Uh, if you haven't read Blood Will Tell, Blood Will Tell is a fantastic book. Um, it's on Liao on Liao action in it, and it's it's on Audible. Well, so deny Alaric was an incest baby in so much that he was made with genetic material from Victor and, and Catherine. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's like the genetic material from one side, and then there's genetic material from the other. There's kind creators. of it's kind of like a rift in the clans. I know yeah, that much. So if you follow like the new lore, um. One of the Le- Liao's is now a can- Cantrella um, from, uh, what is that, the, the uh, sexy cat place. Uh, oh, Canopus. Yeah, Canopus. Canopus, yeah. Um, she's out there. And Canopus. then you've got, you've got uh, Chancellor Liao, and they he actually like banged his sister and made her. But she's a, she's a Cantrella instead of a Liao, so... And he's her brother instead of her daughter. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, she's an incest baby as well. So there's two of them. One is very well written. One is very poorly written. And like I said, like I've said, I've harped on this enough. Does it have it's, to do with because one has supreme ultra plot armor that... Yeah, it is really <laughs> hard to write a Mary Sue character. I don't know why people still try. It is very, very hard. It's just poor writing. They have an ending and they have a beginning and they don't know how to get... 
from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably talk about Wheel of Time sometime on this podcast in length. But there are several characters in there that are Mary Sue's. Very well done. Um, especially the last book. It is. There is one scene in there that every fucking time I'm like, it's fucking awesome. And I've read it about 20 times, but yeah. So there's, you know, there's ways to write Mary Sue's and there's How's that series end, by the way? Wheel of Time? Poorly. Poorly. Because it doesn't. Oh, that's yeah, the joke. Never, never yeah. ends, yeah. It's, it's the starting of a new age. Yeah, that and the, the author died before. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Brandon Sanderson finished it, but oh, I wish Brandon would have been Brandon's series from the beginning because Brandon Sanderson's a fantastic author. One of the greatest uh, fiction writers ever or fantasy writers ever. Um, and sci-fi writers now, uh, he's got a new series called S- um, Starsight. Is that what it was? Skyward. Skyward series. Um, I've read both of them. They're like young adult novels. I've never had more fun in a young adult, a young adult novel as I did in those. They're very good. Unlike uh, somebody's girlfriend that decided that I needed to read the horrible Crescent City series, which is just Shadowrun smut. What is this? It's, it's called City? Crescent City. And they use the word cock as a verb. Every sentence, almost. There are, they're like, you could just tell that, and it, it's, it's like, it's like 50 shades of fucking gray. It, try not to get off on a tangent on 50 shades. I tried to read those books. It's like a four year old's power fantasy that didn't know how to write. And everything is like, and then, and then, and then this happened, and then this happened. It is, Fucking well, you know, it was it was awful. originally it was originally written as Twilight fan fiction, and then all of the because of legal yeah, reasons they had to they had they the had to change all of the characters' which, names. And which everything. brings me to the next point. <clears throat> I fucking hate Twilight. I hate the <laughs> movies. I hate the story. But I will tell you, I have read every single one of those books, mm-hmm. and the reason why I've read every single one of those books is because they are beautifully written. She has a way with words. And they're like, it's like a work of art. Like, it's like an upside down red toilet. It's fucking terrible, but it's art. And somebody enjoys looking at it. And that's, that's those Twilight books. They're, that's, my wife had me sit through all five of the Twilight movies. And I will say, they're not, compared to my expectations, they're not bad. They're just so damn boring yes. to just sit through. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the, the plot summed up uh-huh. in in very short terms is that dead boy. I want your ICPP. Well, it's not even okay, <laughs> but like, but like. Oh no, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it got described to me, and if you evaluate it from a couple different perspectives, it's like okay, cool. Um, dude, literally robs the cradle because mm-hmm. uh, he's been in high school for the last fifty to a hundred years, mm-hmm. and. Gets into a weird, weird age play relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Uh, weird wolf boy mm-hmm. joins love triage. She mm-hmm. can't make up her mind. She gets knocked up. Okay, 
Control Through Pregnancy. That's the fourth movie. And then the last movie is Control Through Fear because everybody's like, oh no, other vampires are showing up now. Mm-hmm. It's like, the plot of this movie is kind of dumb when you look at it from a 10,000 foot view because like, yes, other vampires exist in this universe the whole time. And y'all are a bunch of vegans. I can see why they don't want you around. Yeah. Because you mean, make vampires look bad. Yeah. I mean, you can reduce anything down to like its base parts. and Yeah. And, and, oh, absolutely. And it's weird. I, I, will, it. I will say I, I started reading a little bit uh, of that Crescent City book. I, I, I would say that the parts where it the, it does get uh, sexualized, it just it just seems like bad fan fiction. Yes, but there are certain sections of the of that book that are very well written. Yes, and and, and I was gonna make I'm gonna that. I was gonna get to that mouth. point. That's not it, those parts. <laughs> the, the, the the parts where where she starts using like like vulgar language and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like I use vulgar language on a daily basis. It doesn't phase me, but in books. Especially the way that she put it in there, it's like, it's like she wrote an entire novel that was gr- it was great. The story was fantastic. I will say, the story outside of the the bullshit. I'm just gonna put this in here for the Midwestern housewives mm-hmm. was great, but the rest of it's just like I'm just gonna open this up and just slide this thing right right here for no fucking reason there is that what happens in the book too yes <laughs> I, I, that's actually yeah so one of them we were we were driving uh back uh, we were driving back and she was like can you play the last couple chapters of this book and i don't remember what book it was and where we started off i had no context what was going on but the writing was really good and as we're as we're driving and i might have nodded off at one point because again, weird. It was an eleven-hour drive. I woke up and immediately we were in some really awkward, like, semi-sex scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we just went from this epic battle where the city's getting blown up by like some Hellraiser missiles or something like that to she's really like uncomfortably lusting for this dude. Who was near death, like what I thought was like twenty minutes ago? Come on, mm. like what are what are we doing? So the, the other part of that is I want that writer to sit down and read an actual fantasy book that's been because her books are on the New York Times bestseller. Yeah, I have no idea why. None, other than so was Fifty Shades of Grey, and we can just chalk it up to that. Because there's a, there, full of there is a certain psyche of people out there that just enjoy smut. Just look up how many books are on the New York Times bestseller list, and that will answer your question. Right. right. It is shockingly easy to get on the New York Times bestseller list. There are right. probably more books that are, that are on the list than not on the list. Right. But, what, but hers were in the, like, the top five, mm. yeah. which upsets me because the the eye of the world was at the top five for about 20 years um so it's it's like saying that it's in the same same realm and it's not the reason why is because she can't make up her fucking mind on how her magic system works because she'll go into great detail on how it works and then like two pages later she's like no that's not how it works anymore it works like this because i want it to do this certain thing 
And she just changes it constantly. And it's like, I don't understand how any of this works, but Angel Wing, okay, I'm I'm good. And like her power levels are like all over the place. I, I will I will say she goes like Super Saiyan and like effectively like three different times, but it's just never enough. So she's got to go to the next level beyond. But Dragon the fact Z. that she's doing it several times in the same book is a little awkward because again, there doesn't feel like there's mm-hmm. a, like a level of progression. And if anything that DBZ has taught us is you have to wait until the next season to hit that next level because you got to save it for the next bad guy the next bad guy and then the next bad guy after that there's always going to be a next bad guy i'm very lost are we talking about twilight anymore no, no i mean but but i mean Destiny. but realistically think about it in that way too mm-hmm. is because the first bad guy they have to fight mm-hmm. are those three vampires that show up in the what the second book or mm-hmm. whatever and she's not dead yet mm-hmm. so That's werewolf boy has them. to level up in order to fight them and he mm-hmm. doesn't even do a fucking good job at that and well, and and the movies were the movies were a, a terrible, terrible representation sure. of how because actually in in the books, like I said, I fucking hate it. <laughs> I'm not out here wearing like Team Jacob or Team Edward. Fucking, I, fucking I hate shit. the Twilight Saga. Let me just rant about it for a little bit <laughs> hey, hey, with a detail. Hey, you got to understand, but, James is James read it to know his enemy. Uh, yeah. He he read it out of he spite. read it out of spite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. There, it, she actually does explain like she has a very, very ironclad set of rules in that book, and that's how things fucking work. Yeah. Versus Crescent City, where she's like, "Oh yeah, this guy was like as powerful as an archangel, and he shot lightning out of his balls." <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and and he could just level entire battlefields, but then he just, had this this thing put on him, so he's only at ten percent power. But then the thing gets taken off him, and he can't even like pick up a wet fucking rag. Like that's her mentality. I'm like, but so how does this work? Is he powerful? Is he not? No, he is, but he can't do the thing. So they use in in the books they use the logic of video games. It's like yes. when you fight a boss, and then that boss joins your party. Yes, it's that. Yes, it is that to a to a T, which which upsets me. Like, I hate that shit in my books because like there's a lot of suspension of disbelief to an, to be able to enjoy something, but when somebody is like just blatantly obvious about it, they're like, "I need you to do suspension of disbelief." That red sheet is now blue. I'm like, I can't I can't do that. Can't yeah, do I th- I think, so. and I mean to be fair, especially when you're used to reading a certain type of, right. of fantasy, when they, especially when they classify it as fantasy, and then they sh- they try to shove it into the same category, like on a broad stroke. It's like, yeah, a broad stroke it fits, but there's subcategories to that, and everything has its own subcategory now. Mm-hmm. Like, I can understand see why it doesn't fit for you because of those changes. I. And again, as I started reading some of it, it's like, yeah, I could see why it annoys you. I, I'm not annoyed with it because I like, again, for me personally, I can suspend disbelief for anything. And it's just like, okay, if that's what you're telling me, it, it's changed. Cool. I'm not going to think about it unless they like ruin it in some weird backstory where it just no longer makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and then oftentimes in some of those books that it, it could happen, but they can just brush it away. And as long as they don't bring it up again, it's never a problem. I know in in um, in the Old Kingdom books by Garth Nix that happens occasionally. Mm. It's bound to happen because again, 
you have to reflect on a book that you wrote 15, 20 years ago. And it's like, cool, I can go back and read that. What the fuck did I write? Um, well, and, and so that was, that brings me to another point. Like what you got to know about me, especially as, as like our listeners is I read, like I will listen to an audiobook 10 hours a day, except on weekends. Like when I'm at work, I'm a department head. Yes. But, so much of my department's on autopilot and I don't have to fuck with it. I just do things that I can afford to listen to an audiobook in one ear. So I listen to an audiobook about, like I said, about 10 hours a day, especially on the drive there or drive to work and drive back. Um, so like I tried reading um, Sabriel and in my books, I look for like books that are like 40. 50, 60 hours long. Yeah. And some of Sabriel and, and that stuff is like, they teleport around a lot. Yeah. And it drives my, my little brain. Absolutely. That, that book fucking... is only that, the, the first book is only 11 hours long. Yeah. And again, again, comparatively the way I, I don't read a whole lot mm-hmm. and those are very much uh teen coming of age books. Right. Almost all of them are that way. Um, the only one that really wasn't was Golden Hand. Um, and I mean, that one was, I think, 15, 16 hours long. Still not a long read. It's not like it's Dune. It's definitely not Wheel of Time or anything like that. And right. like, as like I tried reading, uh, what was, um, Patrick Roth's first one name, name of the wind. Oh, the name of the wind. Like I tried reading that. And again, it's, it's, it's a 30 hour book, Mm -hmm. 40. It's long winded. Mm -hmm. And that's rough for me. Because, again, I'm not an avid reader, and I just went and bought, like, six books that are all, like, 30-hour books. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to finish these. So, from my point of view, those are the type of books I do enjoy. Well, and, and so, to be fair, there, there, are, there are levels. Yeah. Right? There's, like, beginner reader, intermediate reader, advanced reader kind of books. And I don't want to, like... I don't want to say this. I don't want to be like offensive. No, yeah, yeah. But the name of the wind is one of those books where you have to have read Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, like uh, I won't say the other one because HBO did a terrible job with it. But <laughs> and it's still not finished. Um, but you have to read those kind of books in order to get into the name of the wind, because I will, I, I 100% the first like 10, 15 hours of that book. It drags the fuck on. Yeah. But once you get up to the point where he's in the Academy, like, like the, the alchemist Academy, it's so good. And you you know as a as an advanced reader you read like people's uh reviews of it and and that that was one of the books or one of the reviews that i read that made me want to pick that book up was like the weight is worth the ending kind of thing so and, and there's a lot of those books out there especially the the uh, the wheel of time now not the fucking terrible anim or uh, amazon series but that's another podcast another time but yeah. like the last book of of the wheel of time. I wish Brandon Sanderson would write more wars in his books 
because that entire last book is just one big fucking war, and it is so good. To me, it's worth reading 14 books to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, the payoff is is that last book. That is the love letter to everybody that, that did that. Somebody else who's not, like, just a very beginner reader, they're not going to make it through the 14 books to get there. Right. They're just not. Because they're not, they're not, they, they haven't read enough to be able to enjoy that. To see the, the forest through the trees. Yeah. This has been book reviews by James <laughs> and Phil. Well, oh. the, the funny, the funny part, wanna... the reason I mentioned some of this is because oftentimes by, by reading some of the books or in any type of media, I'm pulling my character ideas mm-hmm. out of, uh, out of media I've uh, oh, read or watched. So, I mean, at some point if I could make, you know, if I'm making... You know, if I'm working on Battletech stuff, I'm building it off of based on characters that I've uh, watched in other mecha anime or in in what I've read. So, yeah, no, there's fucking wheel of time. There's two thousand characters in that. I mean, there's one for everybody in there somewhere. But yeah, so there's a lot of places you can pull characters from. I'm trying not to make myself go on another tangent. <laughs> Very easy to get me to go on tangent about books. I'm sorry. That's that's basically this entire podcast at this point. It's just tangent city. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's, it's content. It's mm-hmm. Content. Everything's content, my yeah, friend. It's fine. But uh, I think uh, I think my ammo bins are low. I don't I know think, about y'all. I think all of our ammo bins but, are uh, a little low after this one. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll take some time to reload, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next uh, podcast. Do cocaine. Don't don't do that. Don't do cocaine. Do cocaine. <laughs>